right unless I have a word of prayer. And all this in your blessed holy name because of you we are. Amen. Our subject this morning is one that we have taught, of course, over the 50 years or so. But what is worship? Say we, this is our worship. But uh, churchgoers often hear these newer terms, you know, contemporary and traditional worship and worship leaders and worship bands and worship teams and worship director and so forth and so on. But, uh, of course, we can't find these terms in the Bible. But since the mid-1980s, when the worship and praise phenomena and the seeker-friendly megachurches mentally took over, things have changed. It's different music was played in the church, and most of the pastors, you know, never wore a suit. They was wanted to feel comfortable in the worship service. But this is my own personal opinion on this, and don't really not in the notes this morning, but I've never been able to feel comfortable in the presence of God with uh, worldliness on me, in me, or about me. I know you can pray anywhere, you can worship anywhere, uh, but maybe God had not given me that ability yet. But uh, uh, when I studied the Word of God in prayer, Jesus went off by himself to pray. The uh, apostles uh, prayed. And uh, so we want to look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. When we look at this portion of Scripture, we start at the beginning, uh, John chapter 4 and verse 1, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. He left Judah and departed unto Galilee. And the must needs go through Samaria. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. 
Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being weird with his journey and thus uh, sat on this well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria. Come a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. But his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, hast drank of me? Which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I think verse 9 is very important. You know, I think that, you know, I've personally been criticized over the years, and, you know, I, I really don't let much criticism bother me one way or, or the other when I try to do what's the Lord, because I've shared this with you before. The first year I was over here, we lived down on 2nd Street, and uh, a gentleman that was well-known in this town, he owned many businesses, and, and you always seen him with a big cigar in his mouth, and liquor on his breath without telling the names you know who I'm talking about you know uh, he said I'm going to do you a favor young preacher you know and then he began to tell me you know you can't visit over here because these people are, are poor and they can't benefit the church and this group here and this group here but it, I guess Jesus hadn't heard that because this woman that he stopped and talked to and asked for water, she was not the ideal citizen, but she was one of God's. And I think it's very important that we understand that. And and the woman said, her, you know, in verse 11, you know, uh, Sir, thou has nothing to draw with and... The well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. We get thirsty, we drink part of this water, but in time we get thirsty again. So he wasn't talking about literal water as we see here later. But whosoever drink of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He was talking about the water of the word. And when we drink of this word, you know, the more we drink of it, the more that we meditate upon it, the more like Christ we will become. 
The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, you can tell from that statement, she's like the average Christian. What can the church do for me? What can the Lord do for me? And that's the way all of us are until God saves us. But Jesus said in verse 16, Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. So here is a woman that was at the well. They had never met, but yet Jesus knew all about her. I think that's a very important part, very simple, not anything deep, but Christ knows everything about me. He knows what I did yesterday. He knows what I did this morning. And he'll know what I'll do tomorrow and every day follow. Matter of fact, from here to the time he takes me home, I will be no surprise to him because he is omnipotent. He's, you know, he's everywhere. He knows all. He's, I'm not present. And when we look at that, but in verse 19, And in verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and he say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He was teaching his second coming. The day of worshiping in the church is going to be over. The day of worshiping anywhere on this earth was going to be over. But he said, yet worship ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. God's chosen people. I find comfort in believing and knowing that I'm a spiritual Jew. They have been against the Jews ever since Jesus was born, and they've been against Christians since the first Christian was born. You may have some Christian friends. You may say, well, the United States is a Christian nation, but it's not. It was founded upon the faith, but the United States certainly is not a Christian nation now. And I'll add in, which is not in my notes, but I wouldn't want to live in any other country. As bad as this country is, it's better than the rest of the world, in my view. Is God pleased in a worship service where, where there's loud music and in the tanks and hollering and going on? I tell you, he's not. 
That is not worship. That is fulfilling the lust of the flesh because the, the mood, whatever, gets our attention. But God said, and I repeat again, but the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. If you mark in your Bible, I underline true in my Bible. There are worshipers and then there are true worshipers. There are those that are saved. There are those who profess to be saved. And I don't know who's saved and who isn't. And I don't think nobody else, but I know the one who does. But God said in verse 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, from that page, from that verse alone, let me ask you something. If a group of people are not worshiping the way God's word says they are, in your estimation, did they have a worship service? Well, we can have our view, but God tells us. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if we're not worship him in the spirit and in truth, we had a service, but it was not a worship service. It's not my opinion. That's what God said. So we need to understand that. We need to acknowledge that. Because Verse 22, you know, A said, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Her biggest mistake was thinking that worship was done in a particular place. I I believe in church attendance. I believe in being in the house of God three times a week, if that's what the church votes, if the church votes to have something else and if the church votes it, then we should be there unless we're sick or providential hindrance. But God made it very clear in verse 20, our fathers worship in this mountain, and he say that in Jerusalem is a place where men are to worship. We can worship God anywhere. But in the New Testament, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we can make an outline, we can put it in a you know, in anything, but you'll you'll find out that if you want to worship in the New Testament, that you worship in the house of God. Sister Valerie is in the UK hospital. Can she worship God there this morning? Absolutely. Anybody not able to be in church, they can worship God wherever they are. But if God has blessed you and you are able to assemble My estimation is that you cannot worship unless you meet where God's people, if God has added you to a body that particular time, 
not saying you can't worship at home, you can't worship in your car, but he built his church and he added saved people to his church. And that's where you are to be unless you're not able to be there. But matter of fact, worship is not a meeting. There is not one mention of a worship meeting in the entire New Testament, yet churches today advertise worship and styles. When we regulate worship to church, it becomes construed as something we turn on when we enter the building and we turn off when we leave. And I found that that's uh, what happens. As being a pastor for as long as I have, I've seen not everything, no, none of us have, but I've seen families, you could tell, you know, they sit in a car a few minutes and they're arguing discussing, you know, very verbally what's going on and then they get out of the car and they come into church with all smiles and then when the church is over, they pick up where they left off. I often wonder, did that family worship while they were in church? Can you turn on and off? Because of what your emotions are? Well, you know, some would agree with me, some wouldn't. But I believe that we need to prepare to worship. We need to prepare to worship. There's not a mention of worship service in the New Testament. The devil, who has always covet the worship of men, is more turned off when we leave. The devil, who has always covet the worship of man, is not what I just said, but this, is more than happy if we create an atmosphere where God only gets one hour of worship per week or two hours or three hours. And I strive very hard myself to be prepared to worship. But if these three hours a week, if we... If that's all we have to offer God, we have a blemish in our life. Because if you're sick and you're at home, you still can worship God because you're unable to be in God's house. You're unable to meet with the Lord. So the fact that worship is not a meeting, you know, the, the church is a place for preaching, teaching, fellowship, praying, caring for others, serving others, serving in ministry, 
and charge in our spiritual batteries so we can go back into the world and preach. It is not simply for worship. But, you know, there are some Christians that I may miss Sunday school, but I won't miss worship service. But if you're able to be here, then shouldn't you be here? Worship is mostly an individual thing done outside of the church. Let's just uh, look at some verses which explain much better than I can. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew the second chapter and the 11th verse. God said, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when he had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and mirth. They gave to him. They gave to him. If God died for us, can we give our life to him? Can we worship him? Now, notice also, same chapter, the eighth verse, and uh, the eighth chapter and the second verse. And behold, there came a leopard and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. I'm taking these verses simply to show you that what God said here, what worship is, where you can worship. Behold, there came a leopard and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. I pray this many times for my wife and for you, for others. Lord, I know you can. I know you can heal Anyone in this auditorium that has a medical problem, it's not the fact that you can't. And that's what we see here. Notice verse 1. When he was come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him. You're familiar with the previous chapter. Jesus went up into the mountains alone to pray. Now he said, when he was come down from the mountains, great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leopard and worshipped him. We can worship God anywhere if our motive is right, if our intentions is right. So he asked him. And verse 3 we see, and Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thy clean. And immediately this leopard was cleansed. God can do that. But we can't just have harshly said, God, I mean, you know, you know, 
I can't because I'm Sister Valerie's pastor that I've got this power that I can say, God, heal her. But I know he can. And if she's important to me, if Sister Anniette is important to me, if Harold is important to me, if the mile is out of drove all our church members, then I should keep myself in condition. I ought to be able to worship God myself before I ask him to heal you. And what I've just said is what I've, I have talked to some pastors the last two or three weeks, and, and most of them agreed with me. You can't just pray anytime you want to. I thank God for the Facebook and, and when he has, you know, remember in prayer and, and you see it, you know, praying, 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 praying. Bless my heart. But are we just off the cuff able to pray? Or is it something we, uh, you know, people expect us to do, you know, and you may say, well, you're sounding negative. Oh, no, I'm, I thank God that we have a instantaneously service that if Sister Tracy is sick, that she's asking for prayer or whatever's in her life, she wants prayer. But on this end, am I always in condition to pray? Do I have a free card because I'm a preacher that I can pray anytime? I don't believe that. I believe that I must keep myself in the center of God's will as you do, especially when we pray. People have asked me to pray over the phone, call me and say, will you pray? And sometimes I go to the Lord for me first to get myself in condition to pray before I can pray for somebody else. Still in the book of Matthew, chapter 9 and verse 18, these are just random verses that teach us some blessings. Verse 9, uh, chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 18, while he spoke these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter... It's even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Now, why is uh, this verse here in Matthew 9, 18 so important for our prior life? See, it doesn't make any difference whether my wife was alive or my wife is dead, if God wanted to raise her up, he could do it. Do we have that kind of faith or do we just say, well, yeah, you know, he's God, he can do what he wants to. Well, not only can he do what he wants to, he does. In Matthew 14, Matthew the 14th chapter and the 33rd verse. Matthew 14, verse 33. 
God said, here. But when he saw the wind bolstering, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. We ought to walk so in our life, not only for ourselves, but for our children and for our grandchildren. That when something happens immediately, we can ask God to intervene. And it's exactly what this verse, you know, and, and I've read the chapters before I picked these verses out, but, uh, you know, then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art, in, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the Son of God. And then one more verse, chapter 18 and verse 26. 18, verse 26. When we look at Matthew 18 and verse 26, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. You know, when would this prayer or this prayer thought? I know I've got to do something. I've got to face this situation. If I owe a bill, I can't pay. My responsibility is to call that person and tell them I cannot, I do not have the funds this month. But I want you to know, you know, I understand. Instead of saying, well, you know, they'll know I don't have the money because I didn't send in the bill. But didn't you agree when you bought this that you would pay so much on a certain date? Why is it your responsibility if you don't have it at the time for whatever reason that you let that person know? I've had to do that the first two or three years of my marriage. I'm not ashamed of that. That's why that I became involved in financial freedom. Now people don't even mention it because that credit flows, you know, they got nine or ten cards, they're all maxed out. As long as they can get it, that's all that matters. But it doesn't, if our responsibility, if I say I'm going to do something and something comes up where I can't do that, I believe God blesses that. God blesses true honesty. When we empty ourselves of pride, see the Greek word mostly translated worship in the New Testament simply means to prostrate, just flat out go before him. Here I am, Lord. It's me again. I'm in need of your mercy. I'm in need of your grace. But pride even keeps Christians from doing that which they should. 
because the best synonym for worship is adoration. To admire or adore. I remember the last time that I was with Church Caroline, you know, if you ever see her. I mean, she is so cute, she'd get away with murder, you know. But, you know, I, I told her, I said, you know, I worship you. Now, I wouldn't use that dark term, but I can say I adore you. That's what worship is. When we worship God, we adore God. He's the most important thing at the time. See, so the best synonym for worship is adoration, to admire or adore. That when I think about Jesus, I'd get a settlement in my soul, my body. He comforts me to know that he's with me. We all have our ways to prepare for sleep. We all got our ways to do whatever. But I like to, and, you know, before I go to sleep, you know, God, you can keep me safely. Instead, we say, well, you know, I'm healthy and don't have no problems. God has been with me. Well, who, who blessed you? God blessed you. Thank you, Father. You know, either one of us could be facing surgery. Either one of us could be in the hospital. Now, here is a shocker, a fact. Worship is not music. Not once in the 79 reference to worship in the New Testament is it associated with music. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm, I've been aged. I've been saved a long time. I always thought, you know, that it's important what songs we sing because it's worshiping God. But music itself is not worship. Not once in the 79 reference to worship in the New Testament is it associated with music. Of the 155 reference to worship in the Old Testament, only once. In Psalm 66 and verse 4, are worship and singing used in the same breath through the conjunction, as you know, worship and. We, but we just assume things because we've never been taught or we've never heard. God's never put it on the preacher's heart or the Sunday school teacher's heart to bring those things out. But in uh, Psalm 66 and verse 4, God says this. 
All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. So when we worship him, we're talking about the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Two hundred and thirty-four mentions of worship in the Bible, and only once is it used along with music. What then is music the main thing in our worship at the church? Well, God said in John chapter 4 and verse 22 that he worship, he know not what. We worship, what do we worship? Ye worship, ye know not what. We know not what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Is worship music as we call it? You know, I, I don't have no problem saying, you know, we have worship music. Personally, I would have no problem if, if the uh, church, you know, that be... Before our Sunday school, before our morning worship, before our evening worship, that we had a song which would tell everybody, hey, at the end of this song, the service going to start. That we would have a goal of being in our seats before or during that song. So what is worship then? Worship is an action an individual takes intended to give God pleasure. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 21. Whether therefore ye eat or drink whatsoever ye do, do all. We do it to the glory of God. Don't we? Isn't that what true worship is? Whether we eat or drink or worship, we do do all to the glory of God. If we're worshiping, we're doing it for the Lord. We're not doing it so that somebody can say, Pastor, man, that was a beautiful song you sung. And no, I'm not saying you, if somebody sang a special, every time Sister Mylon sings, I enjoy her singing. And I want to tell her, I enjoy your song. I do that because I really enjoy it. It helps the service. And I want to encourage her. Martin Luther said, A handmaiden can milk cows to the glory of God. So when a person goes out to try to save souls for God's pleasure, that person is worshiping God. When we had visitation and we go out knocking on doors, we're doing that to the glory of God. We're worshiping God. We're sharing God to the whole world, or in our particular case here in Harrison County. So as we close, worship is any admiration 
An individual shows intended to give God pleasure. I believe God receives pleasure when you, as a blood-bought Christian, uplifts him. Remember, the dog adores his owner, waits for his owner, pleases his owner. We talk about a little puppies, you know. When I let Ella out and I crawl for her and she immediately comes back, I always pick her up. I say, I'm so proud of you. And nine out of ten times, she'll take a little time and, you know. She's acknowledging that I love her. Dogs do that. Cats do that. Animals do that. But we're too proud sometimes, I think, to acknowledge what true worship is. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the privilege that's been given to us to be here to study thy word. We ask you to be with us throughout the worship service. Lead God and direct us. It's because of you we are. Thank you, God, for loving us. Amen.